Welcome to the America's Workforce Radio Podcast, the flagship production of the American Workers Radio and Podcast Network, where organized labor and its never-ending fight to protect the rights of the American worker come first. Now, presented by LIUNA, Laborers International Union of North America, here's your host, Ed Flash Ferens. How about this? Amazon now raising pay for contracted drivers. Meanwhile, UAW strikers rally in Detroit at Stellantis and GM idling a plant due to a parts shortage. Today on the show, the American Federation of Government Employees and the North Coast Labor Federation. Welcome to the Thursday, September 21st edition of America's Workforce, where we are available on at least five platforms, including... Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Pandora. Arnold Scott's going to be our first guest on the show today. No stranger to America's workforce. Been on the show a number of times. He serves as president of District 6 of the American Federation of Government Employees, one of our national sponsors, AFGE.org. And there's one topic we're going to zero in on today. Is Congress going to shut down the federal government. Well, the last time Congress did this, it happened for 35 days when Trump was in office. That was December of 2018, went through January of 2019. Nearly 800,000 federal workers were either required to work without pay or were furloughed from their jobs without pay. The result, members... AFG members struggle to pay bills, feed their families. They drove for ride shares, went to food banks, were forced to take out loans that caused some employees years of hardship. AFGE says it's completely unthinkable that they may have to go through this again because Congress has so far failed to do their job. And some of the highlights of the damage is done because there's a lot in Congress that feels, well, if we shut down the government, we're saving money. No, (laughs) that's not the case. Listen to these numbers. 420,000 federal employees were required to work without pay, while another 350,000 were furloughed from their jobs without pay. Among those being forced to work without pay for 35 days were transportation security officers, Coast Guard members, Bureau of Prisons employees, employees of Veteran Affairs, Border Patrol. These employees were unable to pay their bills or afford groceries for weeks. The cost of the shutdown to the U.S. economy, $11 billion, $3 billion of which was never recovered. National Park Service, okay? A lot of people go to the parks. They lost $400,000 a day from entrance fee revenue. Shutdown also threatened national security as funding shortages interrupted the FBI's work, including counterterrorism. I could go on. Arnold's going to spill all of this out. And let's hope it doesn't happen. And it's all because of a few members on the far right, the so-called Freedom Caucus, don't like the current administration. They don't even like their leader, Kevin McCarthy. So AFGE is relaunching their shutdown page. 
Here it is, afge.org forward slash stop the shutdown. Let me repeat that, afge.org forward slash stop the shutdown. This is to provide facts, information, and actions that members can take to help avoid a shutdown. Let's hope it doesn't happen. Just ridiculous. Pat Gallagher will be joining us later in the show, retired now from the uh, Steelworkers and uh, head of the North Coast Labor Federation, one of our sponsors on the show. A couple things he's going to talk about is redistricting in the state of Ohio. And uh, also the announcement as the Ohio Association of Public School Employees, OAPSI, AFSME Local 4, their Northeast Ohio District President, Davida Russell, who's a 42-year union member and a 42-year school bus driver, is appointed by Governor DeWine to be on his school bus safety task force group. Isn't that cool? DeVita says, for the first time in my 42 years as a school bus driver, someone wants to hear from us. And what they're doing today is setting up a, a, a Zoom call and um, DeVita wants to hear directly from school bus drivers and anyone who contributes to that profession. She's a fighter. She's a, a councilwoman in Cleveland Heights, Ohio, state president of CLU. That's the Coalition of Union Women, vice president of the Ohio AFL-CIO, and she serves as executive secretary of the North Coast Labor Federation. She's a fighter. No doubt about that. Unions in the news making news. This labor update brought to you by the good folks at Boyd Watterson Asset Management. You can find more at BoydWatterson.com. They offer fixed income, real estate, equity investment options to clients nationwide. The UAW rallied at Stellantis's U.S. headquarters. This was in Auburn Hills outside of Detroit yesterday as contract talks with the big three continued with no indication of a breakthrough. However, talks were said to be ongoing and very active between the companies and the union, according to a source familiar with the situation, who was not authorized to discuss it. So they're keeping kind of tight-lipped right now. Meanwhile, auto workers have been picketing outside Ford Motor, General Motors, and Stellantis plants in Michigan, Missouri, and Ohio since union leaders called for the strike a week ago. It's a stand-up strike, which involves targeting all three auto companies at once. Now, additional spillover impacts have also been happening. However, in one unusual case, this is the uh, Toledo Assembly Complex, a couple of suppliers by the name of KUKA and Mobis have operations inside the Jeep plant there, helping build the Gladiator. Bruce Baumhauer, president of UAW Local 12, said the International Union had approved strike pay, which is $500 per week for the 600 workers from those two companies who are also part of the union because they can't build during the strike. Those workers, however, cannot join the picket lines because they still have a contract. So they're actually not on strike. Now, union members have been picketing since last week. Baumhauer said... The vibe is 100% enthusiasm out on the picket line. UAW President Sean Fain announced Monday night, we talked about this earlier in the week, 
this was in a video posted to social media, that without substantial progress by noon tomorrow, additional union members would be assembling on new picket lines, noting that, this is a quote, we're going to keep hitting the company where we need to and when we need to. Now, Ford is pushing back. They said in a statement that we have to fact-check Sean Fain. And they provided their own counterpoints, disputing union arguments about CEO pay, worker wages, stock buybacks, and other issues, and laying out critical statements in various media outlets about the union leader or the union strategy. Good luck on that. (laughs) I mean, we know what they're making. We know how rich the shareholders have been. The uh, automaker says it's working toward a win-win in negotiations, seeking a deal that rewards employees and enables the company to invest and grow, but also noting it has contingency plans for further work stoppages, including plans to ship the parts that keep Ford vehicles on the road, especially to keep first responders and other essential services running. So we'll see what happens there. In the meantime, GM said it has idled an assembly plant. This is in Kansas because of a shortage of parts due to the strike. And about 2,000 of its workers were laid off yesterday. Stellantis also said about 370 workers at three parts factories that supply its Jeep plant in Toledo where the UAW went on strike last week. They are laid off now. So you're seeing the effects of what happened last week when the UAW called the strike. In uh, testimony before the House Energy and Commerce's Innovation, Data, and Commerce Subcommittee, this was yesterday, Alliance for American Manufacturing President Scott Paul called on the federal government to safeguard America's economic and national security by fortifying the nation's domestic supply chains. This is what Scott said. Supply chains are taken for granted when they work perfectly and can cause widespread damage to our economy, jobs, and national security when they do not. He added, we must break the vicious cycle of implementing policies that reward imports over domestic production. But the idea is not to build a wall around America. Rather, we must build more domestic capacity in critical manufacturing sectors and consider localization of supply chains as a best practice. So we urge the federal government to develop a more complete set of tools and authorities to identify, prevent, and mitigate supply chain vulnerabilities. Now, some of the recommendations from Scott, and this is a pretty bright guy. Number one, the federal government needs a dedicated office with the necessary clout to direct supply chain efforts and to implement a comprehensive and coordinated supply chain strategy. Also, the federal government should provide coordination for the private sector by creating voluntary standards and best practices that can be used to address supply chain vulnerabilities. And one more here. Capitalizing a robust supply chain resiliency fund can provide financial assistance where there is a demonstrated need. At a minimum, at a minimum, Congress should commission an independent study to determine whether grant and loan making authority is actually warranted. 
You can find more at uh, AmericanManufacturing.org. Scott Paul serves as a president of that group. And how about this? Amazon says it's boosting pay for their contracted drivers who deliver millions of packages to customers every day. You kind of saw this one coming, you know? The company announced at a conference for delivery firms that it will invest $440 million over the next year to increase pay rates for drivers. Now, it did not disclose how much the bump will be. However, they expect U.S. drivers to earn an average of $20.50 per hour. Many of Amazon's delivery service partners already pay well above that, and the company did not share the minimum pay for drivers across the country. They're kind of tight-lipped on that. By the way, um, Amazon launched its delivery service partners program five years ago in 2018, and this was part of an effort to reduce its reliance on UPS and FedEx. Now, over the past five years, Amazon says 3,500 firms have signed up for the program, and they created... 279,000 delivery jobs around the world. The company gives the firms a pot of money to cover pay and other expenses for every route they're given, though some say it's challenging to be profitable. Now, this all comes as the International Brotherhood of Teamsters is ramping up its focus on the company's delivery workforce. Since June, dozens of Amazon drivers and dispatchers who work for a California-based delivery firm that the Teamsters unionized in April have been picketing company warehouses and calling for Amazon to finally negotiate. We'll see what happens here, but uh, obviously, how many times I've said this on the show, unions lift all boats, and when they saw that contract that the Teamsters worked out with UPS and the organizing that's going on in California, they had to raise the pay. They had to do it. All right, we have to take a quick break. Arnold Scott, on behalf of the American Federation of Government Employees, coming up next. This is America's Workforce. It takes Lyuna to build North America's infrastructure. From roads and bridges to schools and skyscrapers, the men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, build the projects we depend on. From constructing the Freedom Tower on the site of the former World Trade Center to untangling Washington, D.C.'s congested interstate, Lyuna members do the work that matters. Find out what it takes to be built by Lyuna at Lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. America's Workforce appreciates our sponsor, the Columbus Central Ohio Building and Construction Trades Council, who represents more than 18,000 workers from 19 affiliated local unions and district councils. We're the nurses, firefighters, and claims representatives that help keep our government services running. We respond to natural disasters. We care for our nation's veterans. And we investigate discrimination in the workplace. We are federal and D.C. government workers, and we are proud to serve the American people. Working in more than 70 agencies across the government, we know we can fulfill our because our union has our back. Learn more at afge.org. Paid for by the American Federation of Government Employees, AFL-CIO. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the United Steelworkers. You can find more at usw.org. Union members need to be heard. Reliable and convenient union voting has never been more important than it is now. Make voting easy for your membership by working with survey and ballot systems. 
SPS offers encrypted and monitored solutions that ensure your elections are accurate and accessible for every member through mail-in, online, and in-person voting. Visit surveyandballotsystems.com and take the next step in getting secure and auditable elections. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Ironworkers. You can find more at ironworkers.org. America's Workforce is sponsored in part by Boyd Watterson Asset Management, LLC. Find out more about our investment solutions tailored to meet the needs of Taft-Hartley funds at boydwatterson.com. America's Workforce is presented by the Labor's International Union of North America. Feel the power right now at liuna.org. Now, back to America's Workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. Real simple, AWF Union Podcast. AWF Union Podcast. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the United Labor Agency, always connecting people with employment. You can find more at ulagency.org. Let's go to line number one. Welcome a longtime supporter of America's workforce. That would be Arnold Scott. They all call him Scotty. He is District 6 President of the American Federation of Government Employees. We're talking 15,000 active members in Indiana, Kentucky, and Ohio. Total of 56 locals. Arnold is also a national VP, and he's been a 30-plus year member of the American Federation of Government Employees. And we have one topic today. Are we going to see another shutdown of the federal government. Let's hope it doesn't happen. Sadly, there's a number of people in the House. They call themselves the Freedom Caucus. They don't like the way things are going in Washington, and they want to uh, more or less burn down the House. That's exactly the uh, scenario that may happen here in a couple of weeks. Arnold Scott, welcome back to America's Workforce. And I see that uh, your union... You uh, launched a shutdown page, kind of mobilized the membership here. I mentioned it a few minutes ago. I'm going to mention it again here, afge.org forward slash stop the shutdown. Arnold, what are the members members saying about what may happen here? Go ahead, brother. Well, I'll tell you what, AFGE is, uh, we really wish that Congress could figure out a way to fully fund the federal government and not repeat the mistakes of the past. You know, uh, when you talk about this government shutdown, it, uh, I mean, it, it devastates federal workers every time they shut the government down. You're talking about 800,000 federal workers uh, who will not get a paycheck for the time that is shut down. And you're talking about uh, 400,000, well, the last government shut down, 400,000 of those 800,000 were considered to be essential workers, which meant that they had to come in to work, even though they weren't being paid, and the other 400,000 were sitting at home and wanted to come to work, and uh I mean, it's just it's just devastating, and Congress needs to figure out a way to fund the federal government and not uh, keep having a furlough and shutting the government down. So almost half of that number, you mentioned 800,000 federal workers, almost half 
well, actually over half, 420,000, you had to go to work without pay. And that was a 35-day shutdown. We're talking about what happened in December of 2018. And we have to point out, too, uh, 60%, at least 60% of the workers in America today, and this is a very sad statistic, so that's what, three out of five workers live paycheck to paycheck. That is a fact. Yeah. So, okay, let's go back to that time. I know this is painful, but when did they finally get paid? Because, I mean, 35 days, so they probably didn't get paid for, what, maybe 45 days? Because it yeah, took time it to ramp up the system. Yeah, around 45 days because yeah. you had some people that got paid when they were supposed to, and then other people didn't get paid, and uh, they had to go through all of that. Uh, and, you know, this, 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 has a devastating effect on federal workers and their families. I mean, last time you had uh, you had federal workers who were uh, AFG members who drove for ride sharing and went to food banks and took out loans because they needed to pay their bills uh, because they missed their paychecks. I mean, this is. I mean, Congress has just got to figure out a way to stop doing this. Stop making federal workers pawns in this political uh, environment. Uh, I mean, it's just, you know, when you when you look at, to me, Flash, when you look at the devastation is when you talk about federal workers, yeah, it devastates federal workers. And eventually, after the shutdown is is uh, is done with, those workers get their get their pay. But what about all the other workers, the contractors that work for the federal government that can't? Uh, I mean, they don't get. Uh, they're not going to get their their paychecks uh, because the government was shut down. Those people just missed. Just miss a paycheck. I mean, this is this is just devastating what they're doing. You know, it was estimated in that 2018 and 19 shutdown uh, that uh, it cost the U.S. economy 11 billion dollars, a quarter of which was never recovered in that mm-hmm. shutdown. I mean, it's the federal payroll. Uh, excluding benefits is about $250 billion a year. So that means the loss of paychecks. Uh, paychecks cost the executive branch about $5 billion a week. That means $5 billion that uh, employees are not getting, and that's not going into the economy. Right. I mean, they just got to. I don't know. They 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 just got to stop playing political pawn with federal workers. Flash. Yeah, I, I hear you, brother. This this is ridiculous that they're even going down this road. And and sadly, you know, when the the when they were talking about raising the debt ceiling a couple of months ago, apparently they crafted a deal. This was not supposed to happen, but apparently some people 
on the far right were not happy with what Kevin McCarthy worked out with the with the White House, and that's why this is happening right now. Let me ask you: You're very close to your your members here. What what are the member the, the members got to be freaking out right now, thinking that the same thing might happen here in a couple of in, in this? I think the deadline is next uh, next weekend, right now, September thirtieth. Isn't that yeah. the deadline right now? Yeah, September the thirtieth. I mean, the members are on pins and needles. I mean, because they don't know what's going to happen. Uh, uh, I've got a group of employees. I'm doing the training here in my office right now, and I was talking. I was talking to the employees uh, about it, and 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 they're just on pins and needles. Nobody knows what's going to happen. Uh, I mean, it's just a sad situation that Congress can't fund the federal government like they're supposed to, which is their primary responsibility, and that they keep making federal workers the political pawn because they can't get along with each other. Right. Uh, Well, what are you telling your members to – I guess you have to prepare for a shutdown. I mean, if they're talking about this, I mean, they – even though it's a, a vocal minority, it may happen. So how do we prepare for something like this, Arnold? Well, I can tell you that we've been, uh, for the last couple of weeks, been working on a, a plan that we uh, are asking uh, our people to do. Uh, we're asking them to go to the, go up to the AFGE a web page to www.afg.org slash take action slash campaign stop shutdown and we're asking them to get talking points off of uh, that web and we're asking people in Ohio we're targeting three uh, Republican congressmen and asking people to contact them uh, and to do letters to the editors. Uh, and that's uh, Bill Johnson in Ohio 6, uh, Max Miller in Ohio 7, and David Joyce in Ohio uh, 14. Uh, we're asking them to uh, contact those congressional offices and to use the talking points that AFG is providing. And if they uh, wanted, well, we're asking them to do letters to the editors, and they can go up to www.afde.org slash take action slash campaigns. And there's a sample letters to the editors to uh, send to those uh, congressional candidates. And we're not just doing, I mean, that's just three targets that we have in Ohio, but there's targets all over the country uh, that we're asking people to contact. Arnold, let me ask you, have any of them responded to uh, your outreach on this? Because I know one of them, Dave Joyce, is in northeastern Ohio, and he, in fact, he's been endorsed by a number of unions over there. He's considered pretty much a moderate. Have, uh, mm-hmm. have, they, uh, have they responded to... Uh, to what you're uh, what you're doing here so far well this is something that we just got to got together and just 
sent out yesterday to the local, so I'm not aware of what his response is as of yet. But um, I can tell you these are people that we feel that will support federal workers there you that go. we're asking them to contact. Okay. Yeah, they're the ones that have some degree of common sense, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah, Arnold Arnold Scott joining us on our live line today. He is a District Six President of the American Federation of Government Employees. Let me uh, let me run down that uh, shutdown page. And I know Arnold mentioned a couple of different varieties, but this is the one that's posted on the website. It's uh, afge.org forward slash stop the shutdown, and this is a page that provides facts, information, and actions that members can take to avoid a shutdown. Let's uh, keep our fingers crossed on this one. We'll continue the conversation right after this. You're listening to America's Workforce with Ed Flash Ferens. It takes Lyuna to power North America with affordable energy. The men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, have the skills needed to build and maintain oil, natural gas, nuclear, solar, and wind projects that are shaping America's energy future. From new energy tech to retrofitted facilities, Lyuna members do it all. Find out what it takes to be powered by Lyuna at Lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. The Ironworkers Great Lakes District Council, consisting of eight ironworker local unions in West Virginia, Pennsylvania, Ohio, and Michigan. We build the skylines and bridges along the Great Lakes. With more work than ever before, the Great Lakes District Council is actively searching out the next great ironworker. Whether it's building the next Intel plant or constructing a bridge to safely connect our great cities along the lake. So join the Ironworkers Great Lakes District Council today. Find out how and learn more about the council by visiting IWDistrictCouncil.com. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Heat and Frost Insulators Labor Management Cooperative Trust. Find out more at insulators.org forward slash LMCT. There is unity and strength for workers. We are the USW. We are the USW. The United, United Steelworkers. Steel the largest industrial union in North America. We represent 850,000 members in, in the, the U.S., US Canada, Canada, and the, the Caribbean. Caribbean. We work in metals, rubber, chemicals, paper, oil refining, atomic energy, and the service sector. We are steelworkers. Standing strong and fighting for what's right. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the United Auto Workers. Find more at uaw.org. This segment of America's Workforce is brought to you by Survey and Ballot Systems. SBS has been providing unions with secure and flexible election options for over 30 years. Visit surveyandballotsystems.com to learn more. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the International Federation of Professional and Technical Engineers. You can find more at ifpte.org. Now, back to Ed Flash Ferrens with America's Workforce. And remember, you can check us out on at least five platforms. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Pandora. And when you get an opportunity, just sign up and receive our shows on a regular basis and give us a rating. We always appreciate those five-star ratings, so please keep them coming. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part 
by the Ohio Federation of Teachers. You can find more at oh.aft.org. Let's go back to our live line. Joining us today is Arnold Scott, who is District 6 President of the American Federation of Government Employees, national website afge.org. We're talking about the possibility of a government shutdown, which could be next weekend. And uh, Arnold, just you can uh, chime in with me on this. I saw a really good post on the website about what can happen here, how this will affect America. And they took a look, AFGE took a look at what happened five years ago when Trump was in office. And that was a 35-day shutdown. That shutdown, as you indicated in the first segment, cost the U.S. economy $11 billion. There's this perception out there. Oh, let's just shut down the government. We're going to save money. No, it's just the opposite. Just the opposite. It cost us $11 billion, $3 billion of which was never recovered. National Park Service, people go there every day. They lost $400,000 a day from entrance fee revenue. National security threatened because of funding shortages interrupted the FBI, although some in Congress would like to see that happen. The uh, Department of Homeland Security's new Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency was at risk as it was being operated under a skeleton crew. Security experts feared sophisticated hackers could infiltrate the network. And you know, you know how easy that can happen, especially if they know there's not enough people on board. EPA, Environmental Protection Agency employees, stayed home, not being able to do their jobs, protecting the air we breathe, the water we drink, the land we live on. National Transportation Safety Board, halted its investigations into accidents like plane crashes and train derailments. We all know what happened in Ohio back in February in East Palestine, Ohio. Right. Yeah, yeah. Consumers, here's this is a big one in itself here. Consumers were at risk of contracting foodborne diseases as hundreds of inspectors were furloughed, causing the Food and Drug Administration, to cut back on food inspections. USDA meat and poultry inspectors were required to work without pay. And the Consumer Product Safety Commission halted the recall of potentially dangerous consumer products, leaving them on the market. I think the other piece of that flash that the people need to understand is that when they shut the government down, and these workers uh, are not allowed to do the work that they have to do. When they come back to work, that's just more work that's piled on top of them that that didn't get done. And, and when you talk about the hiring of staff, you know, like in the VA hospitals or, or uh, the prisons, you know, where you, you need to hire people, uh, and those people don't get hired, uh, it just makes the job tougher for those employees that that are there. Yeah, I mean it just it it doesn't make it easier. It makes it harder because those employees have to work harder to try to catch up because they get behind. Arnold, if we can pause here for a minute, do you think this is part of a bigger campaign to demonize federal workers? And it goes back years. I remember when Ronald Reagan was in office, and he liked to make fun of federal workers. And uh, the American public, for the most part, had fun with it because, well, Reagan was he was part comedian, 
and he was an actor. You know, he was really good at that kind of stuff. And and a lot of that is still kind of lingering on today. Do you think it's part of that whole thing that oh well, these federal government they really don't they really don't do much work? And I, I just spelled out what they actually do, but I don't think a lot of people don't actually realize that, do they? I think that that's, that's some of it. Slash, uh, but you know, I think that people need to understand that that these people that we're talking about, federal workers. They're your next door neighbors. I mean, you know these people, and 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 they they're just like any other federal worker, you know, or, or any other worker. I mean, they they come to work and they want to do a good job, and 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 federal workers are dedicated. I mean, if 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 they could come in and work during the shutdown and not be paid, they would. But they're prohibited from doing that in a government shutdown. So, you know, even though they're sitting at home, uh, they want to be at work and they want to do their job. They're dedicated. A lot of them, when you talk about VA workers, you know, they're they're concerned about the veterans and they want to take care of the veterans. When you talk about uh, TSA. You know, they're concerned about the flying public, and they want to do their job. And when you talk about uh, Bureau of Prisons, uh, those workers, they I mean, even though they still have to guard the prisoners, even though they're not being paid, and, and they do it. I mean, it's just a, a lot of dedicated workers, DOD workers. I don't know. I, I, I just wish that. Congress would stop making federal workers to pawn and stop bashing federal workers and making it seem like uh, uh, they don't do a, a good job because I can tell you they do an excellent job and, and they protect the, the taxpayers' money. We're speaking with Arnold Scott, who is District 6 President of the American Federation of Government Employees. District 6 is uh, Indiana, Kentucky, and Ohio. We're talking 56 locals, about 15,000 active members. Arnold, what's really concerning here is the direction of the Republican Party. For many, many years, decades, the Republican Party was built on a strong defense. You know, strong defense. And you know, when you talk about a government shutdown, you're hurting our defense. I mentioned Homeland Security, there, cybersecurity. I also read, and this is on your website too, national website, afge.org, that Republican leaders were unable to muster the votes needed to pass the House's annual Pentagon spending legislation. I mean, we're talking about funding our military here. Uh, I, I just don't get it. I mean, I know we're in different times politically, but don't you think they're going a little too far on all of this? I, I, I really think that they're going too far. Uh, you know, I just, I think about all of the uh, benefits that the taxpayers get from uh, the work that government employees do. I mean, even when you talk about Social Security, you know, I mean, that means your checks may be delayed because of this this craziness. Uh, 
I just don't get it, and I don't understand why they keep doing this. Arnold, let's uh, drive everybody to the website here on behalf of the American Federation of Government Employees. They uh, they had to relaunch this because of what happened five years ago. AFGE.org forward slash stop the shutdown. And this website will provide facts, information, and actions that members can take to help avoid a shutdown. It includes talking points, a sample letter to the editor, sample media release, and other important information. It is very important. I'll tell you, we live in such a rich media environment, and there's a lot of different sources out there. There's good sources, there's bad sources. But if everybody collectively takes action on this and talk about what we're talking about on this show, I mean, I love doing this show. I've been doing this show for 25 years, and there's so much good information out there on behalf of unions. And you heard me talking about the cost of the U.S. economy alone, that's a wake-up call. $11 billion in that 35-day shutdown. $3 billion of it is gone. It was never recovered. That's our money. This is our tax yeah. money that disappeared because of a few people in Congress that don't like the way the administration is handling America. Very, very sad. Very, very sad. Arnold, I don't know how you do it, but hang in there, brother. And uh, keep doing what you're doing, okay? Thank you, Flash, and thank you for allowing me to come on the show. All right. Arnold Scott, District 6 President, American Federation of Government Employees. Quick break. Pat Gallagher on behalf of the North Coast Labor Federation coming up next. This is America's Workforce. More shows available at awfradio.com. It takes Lyuna to keep America running. Over 70,000 public employees are part of LIUNA, the Laborers International Union of North America, delivering critical services such as health care and emergency response, as well as maintaining roads and sanitation systems. Even the National Postal Mail Handlers Union, representing over 47,000 U.S. postal workers, is affiliated with LIUNA. Find out what it takes for LIUNA to keep America running at LIUNA.org. That's L-I-U-N-A. America's Workforce Radio is sponsored in part by the International Union of Painters and Allied Trades, District Council 6, representing painters, glazers, drywall finishers, and sign and display industry workers. They remind you that belonging to a union is your right as an American. Hire union musicians. Call Music Talent of Cleveland at 216-881-1802. Call Music Talent of Cleveland as your dependable source for professional musicians in Northeast Ohio. Union musicians add harmony to weddings, elegance to parties, and uplifting music for all events. Music Talent of Cleveland contracts solo and ensemble musicians as well as bands and orchestras for single engagements. So hire union musicians. Call Music Talent of Cleveland today. 216-881-1802. A great union requires a reliable election system. Survey and Ballot Systems is a trusted election partner with more than 30 years of expertise in managing union elections. By partnering with SBS, your union can ensure it gets an auditable process and a high level of customer service. SBS is here to help you conduct your union vote securely, transparently, and with trust building always in mind. Visit SurveyAndBalladSystems.com to learn more. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Communication Workers of America. You can find more at cwa-union.org. You cannot change the business model as much as it has changed and not expect the contract to change too. 
It's crazy. If we don't stand tall right now, we are all going to be in trouble. We are all going to be replaced by machines. So the jig is up, AMPTP. You have to wake up and smell the coffee. Let's go. You share the wealth because you cannot exist without us. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the International Brotherhood of Teamsters, where you can find more at teamster.org. Now, back to America's Workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. That would be AWF Union Podcast. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the North Coast Labor Federation. And joining us from the North Coast Labor Federation is Mr. Pat Gallagher, who serves as president. Pat, since retired from the steelworkers, we're still going to talk about steel because of the idling of a Republic steel plant in Ohio and in New York. But first and foremost, kudos here to Davida Russell, who is the vice president and executive secretary of the North Coast Labor Federation. I guess she was appointed by the governor to his school bus safety task force. You got to be pretty proud of this woman, uh, Mr. Gallagher. What's uh, what's your thoughts here? Well, yes, I am, Davida. She's I don't know how she has time to take on you know another responsibility. She's the secretary treasurer of the North Coast Area Labor Federation, a vice president of the uh, Ohio AFL-CIO. She works as a bus driver every day in and day out. She's also a councilwoman in Cleveland Heights, and I just don't know how she's got all this energy and how she does it. But she's a great advocate for working people and. Great representative for our unions. Pat, I have to ask you, how did this happen? Did somebody refer you? Were you part of this deal? Because, I mean, it's important that we get labor in key circles here. But uh, I, I'm one, what was what's the backstory on this, to your knowledge? Well, Governor, Governor DeWine's uh, people reached out to uh, some unions and wanted to know a person that would be good for this task force and good for the board. And so he, uh, a lot of us recommended Vita and he took our recommendation and, and he put her on and it's, it's a great thing. It, it's very important too, that when you have task force and safety, you involve the workers, you involve the people who do mm-hmm. the job. It just makes too much sense. And, you know, I'm very pleased that the governor Dwayne chose to put a worker on the safety task force. You know, it's been headlines, all the school bus accidents we've been having in the state of Ohio and, it's important to protect our, our children and transportation in our, our streets. And I think it's a very good thing the governor's doing, and hopefully it'll uh, it'll pan out with some positive uh, results and positive changes for the way that the school bus safety system works in our state. 42 years as a school bus driver. We've had her on the show many, many times. She just loves doing her job. And what she's doing, she's she set up a Zoom town hall discussion tonight with all school bus drivers, and she wants to hear from them so she can report back to the governor. I mean, that's a kind of that's the kind of person that Davida is. So I tell you, hats off to her on that. Again, I know you're very very proud of what she's been able to accomplish. All right, let's uh, let's switch over to uh, let's see. We got stories about Cleveland Cliffs and Republic Steel. I'm glad you're you uh, are bringing up Republic Steel here. What's going on here? All of a sudden, they just they decided to stop uh, operations in Canton as well as New York. What's, what's the story here, Pat? Well, on August 11th of this year, Republic Steel announced a definite closure of the Canton, Ohio, Lorraine, Ohio, Lackawanna, New York, and Madison, Ohio facilities. Uh, they shut Canton down was where they had the steel making operations there. 
And it was kind of took us blindsided us, took us by surprise. Uh, and it, the company's been spiraling down for many years. In 2005, it was purchased by uh, Grupo Cymex, uh, which is a division of ICH, a Mexican conglomerate. And actually, ever since then, it's been really, the company's been going downhill. Uh, they've been in numerous environmental and safety issues. EPAs find them, OSHAs find them. And it's been uh, it's been a hard fight with them for a long time. And yeah, I think they've very, very mismanaged this company. You know, we had one time we had 2,500 employees. We were down to about 500 when they announced the closure in all, all four of these facilities. And it's just a, just a shame that this has had to happen. And the market's, the market's good now. And if they can't compete in this market, it's just uh, very disappointing. And it's all, it all goes to management. Yeah, that's amazing. You got a good environment for steel. And they shut down a steel mill. That, none of this makes any sense right no. now. None of this so, makes and, any and sense. And they were known, and Republic Steel was known for the quality. Well, they took up the name Republic Steel in, in like around 2008. Yeah, they were Republic Products and a couple other names, and they chose to take the name up Republic Steel as the old Republic Steel to try to increase their image. And, uh, you know, I mean, you've got, you've got to have the management team. You've got to be able to run the – the place to you know to take advantage of those things and they had a good workforce and experienced workforce just that they did not want to put money in they put some money into you know some facilities they actually built an 80 million dollar eaf in in lorraine in 2013 but they it, if they were spent another 20 million dollars they could have built it right so it's just uh it's been nothing but management poor management decisions that's caused our our members to lose jobs so yeah, Republic Steel was a big player back in the day, but this is not the Republic Steel yeah, of right. years well, past. Yeah. Company I started with in 1976, and at that time we were the third biggest steel company in the in the country. Only U.S. Steel and Bethlehem were bigger at that time, so we were you know, very proud to be Republic Steel employees back then. And actually, our downfall was a merger with uh, Jane L. and LTV, and we all know that story, so. Oh yeah. Another yeah. another example of mismanagement, so. Okay, you mentioned US Steel and uh what's going on with US Steel and Cleveland Cliffs? Because Cleveland Cliffs would like to gobble it up, but I I guess there's some stumbling blocks here or what? What's going on? And also last month in August too, you know, US Steel let it known they were willing to explore, you know, offers for the company and Cleveland Cliffs went was very interested and you know, actually did make an offer and which U.S. Steel rejected, and after this started the the due diligence and trying to get some information on the company, and they wanted to sign a confidentiality agreement, which is usually standard procedure in purchases of this this type, so that they can do their due diligence. And U.S. Steel opens the books and let them let everybody take a look at it, the auditors take a look at it. But U.S. Steel has been very uh, reluctant to come to a confidentiality agreement. They got they want to put a clause in called a standstill agreement, which would prevent Cleveland Cliffs from challenging a board of directors or, or even interviewing them. And so it's a very difficult process. And Cleveland Cliffs, I mean, U.S. Steel has been very obstinate to, towards Cleveland Cliffs as far as releasing information so they can do their due diligence to properly evaluate U.S. Steel. It sounds to me like they're trying to protect their jobs. <laughs> Am I hearing this correctly? Well, I, I mean, it's you know they could be trying to you know trying to make sure they get enough buyouts and get the board of directors yeah. taken care of. And usually that's that's how this works. It's just uh, you know it's just a shame. And I think too down the road will be some you know Department of Justice issues where they'll have to look at 
if there's too many similar lake facilities. And so it's a very complicated process. And, you know, there's going to be a lot more developments down the road before anything happens. But U.S. Steel is the one who started this. They said they announced they were willing to explore offers for the company. And that's, that's how it all started. And now yeah. it seems like they're, you know, they're, you know, backing off their original position. So. And, and Cliffs has been a pretty good uh, worker-friendly company, so we'll we'll see what happens here. All right, one more issue here, and that is, I'm sure you're keeping your eye on the legislature, especially when it comes to redistricting, because uh, again, we're talking about the maps, and you, you I don't want to go through what what happened when they tried to. Uh, carve out some more equal maps the last time which was last year they didn't get anywhere they had to rely on the old ones but uh, what are you hearing right now down in columbus no there's still a lot of infighting there's still uh no agreements i think the democrats have proposed another a map and i think it was rejected by the republicans in the redistricting commission so it's kind of at a standstill again and we'll, we'll have to just stay tuned to see what happens here so you know, and there is the issue about putting a non-political uh, commission together would wouldn't have any office holders, just have ordinary citizens do this. And I think that's a great idea. Let the take it out of the hands of those who have the most to gain and put put it back in the hands of the citizens where it belongs. Yeah, yeah, that was the uh, plan of uh, Maureen O'Connor, the former Chief Justice, and uh, she was aged out. And as a result, she said, "I have to work on." Uh, on this gerrymandering thing, and that would be a 15-member commission. And if you are an elected official, you're not allowed on it. I like that part. Yep. <laughs> keep keep them out of there. I, I guess there's like, you know, obviously everybody's got some political affiliation. It would be like five Dems, five Republicans, five independents on that commission, and uh, they would come up with the with the maps. We'll see what happens. That wouldn't be this November, though. That would be uh, November of 2024 if it all pans out. All right, my friend, I'm going to let you go back to your, it uh, sounds like a semi-retirement, no more with the United Steelworkers, but very involved politically with the North Coast Labor Federation. Appreciate your comments here and also the update on the, uh, the what's happening in steel. So you take care. We'll talk to you down the road, okay? All right, thanks, Flash. And that'll be it for another edition of America's Workforce. Tomorrow, we're going to check in with the Valley Labor Report and the United Steelworkers. Until then, all of you have a safe and wonderful day. That concludes another episode of the America's Workforce Radio Podcast. Thanks for listening, and be sure to subscribe so you never miss a show. America's Workforce is a production of Labor Tools and BMA Media Group. Find out more information online at labortools.com.